Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. In the third period, it's 3-3, Sabres and Devils, no score, Capitals and Islanders, Rangers up 5-2 on the Penguins, Bruins and Philadelphia tied 2-2, start of the third, Panthers leading the Hurricanes 2-1, four minutes into the third, 2-0, Blue Jackets over the Lightning, second period just ended in Detroit, Red Wings up 1-0 on the Preds, Blackhawks up 1-0 on the Stars, start of the second period, Ducks and Sharks later, Lakers up 74-48 on the Raptors four minutes into the third quarter. Okay, so I, I just got to circle back before we bring our guest in. I got to circle back to that the end of that Doug McLean interview right before we broke for the news. Doug McLean, who's a former uh, NHL general manager with the Columbus Blue Jackets, was on Sportsnet a long time. Now he's doing a podcast three days a week with Nick Kiprios. So what Doug said was that Nick said on their podcast that he had heard the Oilers had been trying to make a Taylor Hall trade work with the Buffalo Sabres. And Doug also said, hey, I've been wrong before, but that's a source that I trust said that. So I haven't heard that. Uh, If Doug's heard that, I totally believe that Doug has heard that. You hear a lot of things that uh, around this time of year, some go somewhere, some don't. I'm standing by all my previous analysis of this and by reading into what Ken Holland has said, or in some, not just reading into what he said, sometimes just blatantly listening to what he said, any trade for the Oilers money in money out pretty hard to get a player who makes a lot of money and not overly interested in adding another fourth line type player. They have enough of those. Now, having said that it's, a general manager's job to inquire about anybody that they might think might be available and to possibly be creative to make things work. Do, do I still think this is, uh, you know, hot and heavy here that this is happening? I don't, you know, Hall was held out of the lineup today. Buffalo's not going to risk injuring him because uh, they, they do want to trade him. So I, I just want to provide some context. It is that time of year where our heads are always turning because this was reported, this was rumored, this was mentioned, this guy said this, so why did this player do this? What does this agent say? All that kind of stuff. But I still think it's going to be really darn hard for the Oilers to acquire Taylor Hall. And I'm going to go back to what I said last half hour as well about the first-round draft pick. Could the Oilers part with that? Sure. You'd probably have to give up something else, and you'd probably have to beg Buffalo to retain as much money as possible, whether it was Hall or somebody else you're bringing in. And I think first, even if it's a later first-round pick, I think it's valuable because you need your first-rounders to play and play on their entry-level contracts because the salary cap isn't going up for the next three, four, five years. Who knows? So that's the context I'll give to that. But uh, a little something interesting for everybody to talk about, I suppose. Oilers and Senators tomorrow. It starts at 3 in the afternoon. Our face-off show is at 1.30 as we welcome Gord Wilson back to the show, who's the Senators radio analyst. Gord, uh, thanks for sitting through that. I just, because Doug said that right before we went to 
the news. So mm-hmm. then we kind of we kind of left it hanging because, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah you well, heard what you I said. What? Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And here's my response to that: Why would you want Taylor Hall? What has Taylor Hall done? He's got 14 playoff games under his belt, and he has four playoff goals under his belt. What's special about Taylor Hall? He gets his paycheck, no question about that. Taylor Hall gets paid handsomely for doing what? Being the big-time guy? He's got 14 playoff games in how many years in the National Hockey League and how many with the Edmonton Oilers where he didn't play a playoff game. So big-time Taylor Hall isn't cracked up to be as uh, at least for me as some would think and uh you know um <laughs> why don't you go after curtis lazar for heaven's sakes he's got more goals than taylor hall this year and he'd be a better fit in edmonton wouldn't he my goodness um uh, yeah it uh, it's interesting food for thought and um uh, taylor is going to get moved somewhere uh, whether he's going to do anything in the National Hockey League postseason is a, a, a legitimate question, in my opinion. Well, he's he's having an awful year on an awful team. He has he has two goals, which I I mean you're right. Curtis Lazar has more goals. Adam Larson has more goals. Who he was yeah. he's traded for. And I mean, and I wonder too. And and look, I, I I mean I mentioned earlier, Gord, for you this is around a year, right, since you had COVID. Yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, March. Uh, when was you know what? I got a phone call from Wayne Gretzky, March twenty seventh. Oh wow! Okay, there you go. So and, and it was ten o'clock at night, and he was asking how I was feeling. <laughs> and I know you know Stoff interviewed you shortly after that. I interviewed you shortly after that. You you were you were open about it, and I wonder too. You know Buffalo got hit by COVID, that nah. couldn't have helped. And now I'm wondering, like if. I mean, you played hockey yourself too, and professionally. Like, how how are the how are the Vancouver Canucks going to feel when? And they will come back. They will play. But I mean, what it's got to factor into how some of these teams are performing that have been hit by the virus. Absolutely, but uh, you know what? This is the mystery virus of of uh, the world here right now because it affects people uh, in so many different ways. And um, um, you know, there are a ton of professional athletes, and we'll just cite them as examples that are in ter- tremendous shape, and it may not affect them at all. And then you get a young player like Marco Rossi, a draft pick of uh, Minnesota, who um, got hit very hard and um, probably still hasn't completely or fully recovered it just hits different uh, it hits people differently and whether you're a professional athlete or you know a banker or an accountant or whatever you might be um it's different and this is what uh, you know i've been saying for over a year here now it's the great mystery it's the great unknown and unfortunately the vancouver canucks and now you throw in a variant uh, of this uh, virus, and there's an even greater unknown, and so um, it's you. You just have to wait it out and see what happens. But boy, your fingers are crossed, or my fingers are crossed. At least everybody's fingers are crossed for sure. If you do get a strain of this variant, and not you're you're not sure what's going to happen next, and if you are experiencing symptoms, how long do they last? I am I'm, I'm convinced that there are, and having experienced myself and probably gone at least six months with the difficulty to fill my lungs completely, uh, I'm convinced, and I'm not in the greatest shape, but um, I'm convinced um, there are players who were uh, hit with COVID 
at the start of this season in January or sometime before and uh, were affected throughout the course of the season. And from another, so that's the health standpoint. From the scheduling standpoint, and I know the NHL says they want to do it and they'll probably go deeper into May, I still don't know if the Canucks get to 56 games. And then I wonder yeah. if, if other North teams get to 56 games. Yeah, that's the uh, another great question here. And, I mean, I think the NHL, by the indications that I'm reading and, and seeing, I think the NHL is desperately going to try and get every team it's 56 game season regardless of where they sit in the standings come the 8th of may or whatever it might be i think um the league made a pact or 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 sort of a promise at the beginning of the season that for the integrity of the game uh they would base playoffs uh on standings and not points percentage and i know it doesn't play a role in terms of um, a team that is out of the playoffs with, say, six games left in the standings, but or six games left in the season. But at the same time, there's still the draft implications and things like that that um, that will affect the league and its integrity moving forward. So I think uh, when the NHL says it desperately wants to get every team, it's 56 games in. Um, I, I think they'll do everything in their power to do just that. And I think that's why we've seen a shift in some scheduling already. And the Senators, not affected by COVID whatsoever and not affected by um, the schedule, have now been affected by the schedule with the moving of Friday's game to Thursday and, of course, the May 7th game that they were supposed to play against Winnipeg in Winnipeg moved to last night. Um, you know, it, it, on first blush, Reed, it doesn't look like it makes a whole lot of sense but now when you're looking further down the line here in terms of trying to rejig things for seven other teams or six other teams in the division it all of a sudden does make sense and they're trying to free updates uh, to obviously look at the combinations and permutations of where the Vancouver Canucks are going to slot in I know from a senator's perspective they've got four games remaining against Vancouver and they're four in a row two at home and two on the road and um, they, they come sometime this month so w- will they happen who knows obviously you know between uh, the first uh, pause for the Vancouver Canucks until whenever things restart there's going to be at least seven to ten days of possible games that the Vancouver Canucks are going to have to reschedule and the big question now is where do you reschedule them and when yeah Gord Wilson joining us tonight on Inside Sports Ottawa Senators analyst frequent guest on the show we always love talking to you Gord So I'm going to ask you a senator's question from a slightly different perspective. I'm not going to ask you why they're 0-7 against the Oilers. I'm not going to ask you about them being in last place because we talked before the season and we thought they're they're probably going to finish in seventh place. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to I'm going to put I'm going to ask you to look on the bright side. I mean, we're two thirds of the way through. About what do you look at? A couple of things and say, you know what? That's been good. The senators got some problems, but this isn't one of them. This is something that's good. Well, I'll tell you what's been good. February, March, and the beginning of April, January was an absolute disaster. This team, Reed, is essentially 
almost close to a and almost you know um, a 500 hockey team since the end of January. I think they're 12, 15, and three if I'm not mistaken. So they've picked up points in 15 of their last 30 games, and that may not mean a whole lot. But for a team that started as badly as Ottawa did and went on a stretch of nine games without a win, it's something to build off of. And their goaltending prior to the last little bit of uh, uh, of season was absolutely atrocious. Their number one and their number two goaltenders were both number twos, if you know what I mean. They were not good, and, and I don't mean that in terms of power rankings. <laughs> I'm talking about a power ranking first thing in the morning, okay? Yeah, and, gotcha. <laughs> yeah okay, I don't need to explain it any further, okay. Um, that, that, that being said, like I bring three poop bags with me for two dogs on a walk every morning, okay, because... They're, they're full of number twos. And the Senators were full of number twos in their goaltending position. And that's putting it mildly. And I, you know what? I, I, I don't hesitate to say that. And I think the goaltenders, Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg, would agree. Their, their games were completely off. And it's interesting because when I mean, it's, a, it's a terrible correlation here, but both got hurt. So all of a sudden, the young players are thrust into a situation. The minor leaguers are thrust into a situation and here's the good that you asked about the team has found out that there are some good young prospects at the goaltending position in this organization a Joey Decord a Philip Gustafson and to a lesser extent uh, an Anton Forsberg who's played the last two games and picked up a win in Montreal and took the loss last night in Winnipeg but they have been three goaltenders who have sort of come out of the woodwork and, and, and shown that there is a little bit brighter hope for the future at that position. Now that being said Marcus Hogberg is off IR Matt Murray is off IR and we're expecting both goaltenders to be back in the lineup perhaps as early as tomorrow. I'm thinking though that um, you know, Matt Murray might need an extra practice or two before he gets back into the thick of things. But uh, Marcus Hogberg has been on a uh, a minor league stint where he's played two games and won two games and has now been called back up to the big team. So um, the goaltending has been um, a little bit better. Well, I should say a lot better. They've given themselves a chance to win. The goalies have given the Senators a chance to win. And uh, that's probably been the brightest spot for this team over the last uh, six, seven weeks. Okay. And uh, quickly, before, before I let you go, do you expect the Senators to be active prior to the deadline? Or are they thinking we'll, we'll build in the summer a little more? Uh, you know what? I think if they can be active, they will be, and it's just in minor league deal, minor terms of of deals, not minor leaguers. But if they can get rid of Braden Coburn, they will. If they can get rid of Erica Branson, they will. Both are unrestricted free agents, and these are all players who were brought in um, with the mindset that you know what? Uh, they're veteran players who will help the young players along through three quarters of the season, and then we'll move on from them and get some get some uh, you know prospects in return. Uh, um, my thinking is Ryan Dezingle is, is a possibility of being traded if they can find a partner for him. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. Chris Tierney's an interesting one. He's got a neat year left on his deal. He's had a disastrous year. Uh, it's not been his season. Uh, could they find somebody willing to take him on? The team has just uh, brought in a couple of uh, college uh, players who have shifted to the pros in Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker, and both are expected to play, I think, 
think, at least the final 13 games of the season after the trade deadline. So um, they're, they're going to be stocked, and uh, they're probably looking to stock the cupboard a little bit more as far as draft picks are concerned. Okay. Gord, always appreciate your perspective, buddy. Uh, thanks for your, your thoughts on the COVID situation as well. We do appreciate that. Have a good call tomorrow. Yes, thank you, Reed. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure being on with you. That is Gord Wilson. The guy's all over the Ottawa Senators. Their radio analyst knows his stuff. And, yeah, about a year ago, he was uh, getting through COVID. It hit him pretty hard. So, uh, like he said, about uh, six months until he kind of got his, his wind back, so to speak. 721 Inside Sports on Chet. and the Senators tomorrow. The face-off show is at 1.30 and the game starts at 3. General Manager Ken Holland was on with Bob earlier today. I've been asked. Benson, Tyler Benson, Cooper Marodi, Ryan McLeod having great seasons on the farm. Could they possibly get a call-up? Well, here's Holland on why it's highly unlikely. They, if they come here, you know, you can just look at the ice time every every night and the guys at the bottom part of the forwards at the bottom part of the roster play, you know, if you don't kill penalties, and it's hard to believe those guys are going to come up and kill penalties. If they don't go on the power play, it's hard to believe they're going to come up and go go on the power play. You play seven, eight, nine minutes. That's, that's all you got. And so, you know, I don't know that they can come up and impact the team playing. You, you got to play special teams. You got to play special teams. And when you get to the when you get down the stretch run, you don't know that the coach wants to experiment with young players on the power play and the penalty killing, especially when you factor in the players that were the, the, the experience and the players that we're putting on the power play. So I just think that those young players are in a great spot um, and, and, and and let them continue to, 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 to develop. And down the road, um, they'll be here. And then you come in and then starting off in the, at the beginning of the season, that's when the coach puts you on those specialty teams if you don't play in the specialty teams in the national hockey league it's hard to get minutes there's probably one defenseman that might not play in either of the specialty teams and there's there's two to four forwards if you don't play specialty teams it's it's hard to get it's hard to get more than 10 minutes max you're anywhere from 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 seven to ten minutes if you don't play specialty teams all right, so those three guys, great season in the minors. They're the big dogs there right now, and he's going to let them keep being the big dogs with the Condors for the rest of this season. Blue Jays trailing the Rangers 5-1 in the middle of the fifth. Team Canada, Brendan Botcher at Worlds, up one nothing on China tonight in the second end. Buffalo wins 5-3 over the Devils. Taylor Hall held out of the game with a trade coming for him by Monday's deadline. It is the Islanders leading the Capitals 1-0 on 
late in the third period. Four and a half minutes left. Rangers up 8-3 on the Penguins. Seven minutes left in Philly. Boston leading at 3-2. Four and a half to go. Carolina up 3-2 on the Panthers. Two minutes left for the Blue Jackets as they're beating the Lightning 4-1. It's 1-1 in the third. Red Wings and Predators. Late second period. Chicago leading Dallas 2-0. Kubalik with his 13th of the season. And Kirby Dock is first of the year remember he got hurt prepping for the world juniors i'm looking forward to getting to camp but i think i'm more so excited to wear the maple leaf again i'm just trying to go in with the mindset of i'm there to make a team again good players all over canada it's the, the best of the best for this age group being able to put that jersey on and uh, it would put a smile to my face for sure this year is development camps all of our players will have to quarantine for 14 days. Our expectations have not changed one bit. We're here to defend our gold medal. And Kirby Doc, one of the voices you heard in that trailer for a documentary that you will soon be able to watch. It is called Our Game, a World Junior Championship documentary. And I'm pleased to welcome one of the producers of our game you've heard him on this show several times in the past he's brought you many great sports related films in recent years it is adam scorgy adam welcome back to the show man how are you doing i'm doing great thanks for having me on reed appreciate it bud yeah it is always good to talk to you i I, i'm such a big fan of of not just your work but your work ethic and you keep impressing me with the projects that you get involved in and the ideas that you have which is so cool and our game a world junior championship documentary i have a feeling that canadians are going to like this one (laughs) because the world juniors are uh are such a popular event tell us where the ball started rolling for this one man well, you know, this is actually a great, um, you know, story about doing right and giving back and doing right by others. There is a, the, the main producer, Tyler Hines, and the director on this one was a young guy out of Kelowna, and he'd come to some of my previous premieres, and he reached out to me on a whim, and, you know, instead of being like many producers in the industry, instead of, you know, not sharing information and not helping other people, like, I just would always, he'd call me and he'd ask for advice and things and budgets, and I'd help him, and... You know, then down, he got greenlit for this project, and he was like, hey, Adam, you've always helped me, and you've never asked for anything. We're finance. I'd love to just, I want to make this year better, so I just want to bring you on. Like, how would you like to produce this with me? And I was like, are you kidding me? To work with the World Juniors in Hockey Canada? Like, I'm in. Like, what do you need? So, you know, he had done most of the research on which guys to follow, and we picked, I think, the best characters, like Bo Byram and Kirby Doc and... You know, it was uh, it was awesome to to get to know these young players and their journey through. And obviously, we didn't win gold, but when you watch the series, you'll you'll fall in love with how golden these kids' hearts are because these are some great kids that really stepped you know stepped up for that tournament and had to go through a lot with all the COVID restrictions. And we went through our poor uh, Harrison had to stay in like quarantine with them for 65 days. He was away from his family to be able to film this. So. Uh, it was quite an experience and something I'm really, really honored that, uh, you know, Tyler paid it forward and brought me on to help produce. And people are going to be able to watch the episodes on HockeyCanada.ca. Everybody knows that website starting on Thursday and then another episode on the 15th and another episode on the 22nd. Is there also a YouTube channel they can access it through? Yeah, so it'll be on the TELUS uh, Optic YouTube channel. And then it's if you, if for those of that have TELUS, it will... I believe it's available on there right now. There's kind of a different release. And then if you happen to miss these and you don't go to the Hockey Canada and stuff like that, then TSN will be playing it right before the tournament next year. 
as well. But we oh, don't perfect. want to wait that long. So go to go to Hockey Canada or go to the, the or YouTube. Everything will be launching this Thursday and the following Thursdays for the three episodes. Okay, so with the bubble situation, you sort of touched on it, but just I, I just want to go back to that. How who was in there production wise? Like, how did you get all the access and footage? So we had two is great. Like Hockey Canada was great to work with this time and tell us, you know, being one of the big sponsors really helped us there. And then we had our guy Harrison who was in there. And then we also had um, a member from Hockey Canada where two camera guys and Harrison, our guy had to stay in there the entire time. Like he had to quarantine before he went in. He had to go like, it, it was quite an adventure. And then as we all know, like several of the players broke out in like Red Deer. So then they had to, they couldn't even leave their rooms. They were bringing like Peloton bikes and workout stuff. And these poor kids, like, they weren't even allowed to go outside for 14 days. They had to stay in a hotel room in Red Deer for 14 days. No training on the ice, no skills. They had to stay. Like, these guys really went through it in this tournament. Man, that's, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing that as well. Uh, Adam Scorgy joining us from Scorgy Productions. It is called Our Game, a World Junior championship documentary you heard when it's on and i'll repeat that uh, a couple times before the end of the show uh, as well i mean the i don't know exactly how i want to phrase this but i mean the world junior brings out so much emotion so yeah. is this is this like there must be some really raw stuff in here and especially i mean it didn't end the way a lot of the canadian players would want despite the fact that they were an excellent team i mean is this was it ever tough or did you ever have to try to put your emotions aside putting this together yeah i mean we were all like we were watching it it was probably you know i always watch the world juniors but this year being involved and you know you want that perfect storyline and like the guys we picked we, you know we were really following schneider and goulet and krebs and Bo byram and kirby docks and we're like oh man like okay like we've got all these great we've got like the, the key characters are doing well in the tournament and then doc breaks his wrist like disgustingly bad right he's out and then you know, and then Canada doesn't win gold, but then you had, you know, Byram the way that he went. And, like, if that isn't the true testament of a Canadian captain, that he's bawling his eyes out but handing the silver medals to his team because he knows he has to be classy for the country. And he knows, like, these kids all knew they were very lucky to even be playing with the way the world was at, and they were doing it. You kept saying, and, this, it, wasn't a, and it wasn't a sales pitch. They were doing it because they're like, man, the world needs something positive to watch right now. Like, people need an outlet because a lot of people are losing jobs, businesses were closing, COVID was rampant. But, you know, that was really, I think at the time, the only kind of sports thing going on. I think basketball, everything was paused at that moment, right? So all eyes were on these young kids to really take this, you know, as far as they could. So it's really emotional when you watch it. And, these, and we couldn't have, like that part i'm going to just tyler did research it and pick the kids but man are they ever great kids i just watched again the final episodes with color and everything today and i'm like man i want to get all these kids jerseys like they're good kids so and i say kids young men i should say i'm just because i'm getting old <laughs> <laughs> i hear you I'm, I'm there too well I, I i'm so glad to talk to you about this and i'm always glad to have you on the show because i think I, I keep wanting to, f I know you're all about your work and your colleagues work, but I always like to feature you as well, because I feel like you're a great example. Cause I'm like, 
Hey, everybody. There's uh, somebody in Edmonton, like, making outstanding documentaries and films, and a lot of them are about sports, and we should maybe realize that. Like, you don't have to go to L.A. or Vancouver or Toronto. Like, Adam's right here. So I always like to have you on for that reason as well. And, I, I mean, look, I, I, Ice Guardians is obviously the one a lot of people still talk to you about. And I, I, I'm going to bring up something here. Because yep. I remember the very first time we talked – because I, I, I think it was Ice Guardians, and uh, and I was asking you about, okay, so, like, you promote it, and, and you were like, yeah, but I never stopped promoting my work. Like, in that way, a film yeah. is never finished. I mean, if somebody comes up to you in 20 years and wants to talk about Ice Guardians, you're not going to be like, oh, yeah, it's too old. You're going to be like, no, go watch it. I still want you to watch yeah. right? And so I'm going to tell this. On Sunday, I watched... And I'd seen it before, but I got to see it again because it came on right after a botcher curling game ended. And I was like, I want to watch this game. The engraved on a nation Donovan Bailey story. And to me, still the greatest non-hockey moments in Canadian sports history, the Bailey gold and then the the relay gold. And it it was just so cool to, to still see that being that story being told and Bailey looking back. So I just, I just want to give you credit for that and and just see if you have any comment on the making of that one. Well, thanks Reed. Yeah, no, I mean the same for me. I think almost every Canadian, I remember exactly where I was when, when Bailey won gold. And that was, you know, I would agree that it is the greatest Canadian sports moment outside of hockey was him winning gold, especially to overcome the shadow of Ben Johnson, right? That, you know, as much as the two of them are different and different worlds, they were so commonly compared, even to this day, right? When you say Jamaican-born but Canadian-raised, Olympic sprinter, unfortunately, a lot of people still be like, oh, you mean Ben Johnson? Like, no, Donovan Bailey, who did it clean. And Donovan Bailey was tested more, like, as they're coming out now, a lot of, not to put, shade on any of the other runners but so many of the other iconic runners from other countries their tests are all showing that they had performance enhancing drugs at this point donovan was tested more than arguably more than any other canadian olympic athlete ever and he did it clean and he set a world record and he put the country on its toes and kind of solidified canada that we deserve to be in there with everybody else after the the shadow of the previous that you know it was an honor to go on that journey with donovan and, and learn how it all started and got to go to jamaica too it was my first time to ever go there so that's always a great part to film is you get to travel in these great locations and go through these journeys with people am i allowed to ask what you're working on now of course so right now people people can uh right now we just finished the documentary on michael bisbing called bisbing and it's only available in canada right now uh, on Super Channel, exclusively on Super Channel. It will be releasing internationally through a major studio that I cannot announce, similar to Inmate. If people can catch my drift on that one. Uh, that has to be wait to the fall for that to get announced. But uh, I'm telling you if, you, if you watch MMA, even if you don't watch MMA, if you're a fan of Rocky, if you want the real Rocky story, but about a British fighter, it's Michael Bisping. The injuries that that guy went through, what he endured to become champion and then he finally gets a shot at the title and it's with two weeks notice he's overweight he's already lost to luke rockle before he was like a 16 to 1 underdog and he shocks the world and he becomes a world champion i highly recommend if you like underdog stories bisbing could be the best underdog story i've had to work on him and the danny trailer are pretty close all right that's awesome okay so our game uh, Hockey Canada, the first episode comes out on 
Thursday, Thursday. And, and, you think, and people with Telus TV should already be able to find it? Should already be on their Optic, yeah, on their VOD or SVOD services, should be on there. Uh, but yeah, Hockey Canada will release on Thursday, and then the following episodes will come the following Thursdays. Awesome. Adam, all the best. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it, bud. That is Adam Scorgi, movie producer, Scorgi Productions, Our Game, a World Junior Championship documentary. It's going to be awesome to watch that. 747 Inside Sports on Chet. Canada with the hammer. Botcher about to throw his last stone, actually. He's in a 1-1 tie with China. Raptors headed towards a loss. Lakers lead at 102-83 with about five and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Blue Jays trailing the Rangers 6-1. That is in the bottom of the sixth. Just uh, updating the NHL here as well. Chicago leads Dallas 3-0 after two. Predators and Red Wings in a 2-2 tie late in the third. Blue Jackets get a win over the Lightning 4-2 the final there. 5-2, the Hurricanes beat the Panthers, uh, two of the best teams in the league right there. Bruins over the Flyers, 4-2. The Rangers get 8 against the Penguins, 8-4 the Rangers win. Islanders shut out the Capitals, 1-0. Varlamov with the clean sheet. He might win the Vesna. And the Sabres without Taylor Hall, who uh, will be traded in the next week with a 5-3 win over the New Jersey Devils. Both those teams having tough years. Well, It's it's the third anniversary of the Humboldt crash, and and I and I I struggle to talk about this uh, for a couple of reasons. It's first of all, it's just such an extremely painful memory for our country, and and obviously for the family and friends who uh, you know teammates and and everybody who knew the sixteen crash victims and. It's also difficult to talk about because I feel no matter what I say, it won't be adequate. But I, I got a, t- a text message from from someone I, I really respect earlier today, and and he said, uh, "Read, we learned about the crash because you were talking about it inside sports, and th- that just made me feel really emotional." Um, and you know, working in the media, yet you you do. I think maybe sometimes for me too, I, I, I might, I forget that something I'm saying, somebody might be hearing it for, for the first time because you prepare your show or you prepare your content and you get on there and do it. And sometimes you forget about how the audience is actually ingesting that and, and digesting it. And it, it, it brought me back to that night and it was during inside sports on a Friday night. And I remember probably between 6.15 and 6.30, seeing a couple things popping up on Twitter about a, a crash and, you know, maybe it was here and it, it, the, the, the details were so sparse at that time. And, and I'm always of the belief that I should be very careful about reporting things that I see once especially when it's something that's potentially tragic because I would hate to be in a situation where I said, look, something terrible happened and then it, it didn't happen. So I, I was, I, I was aware of it. 
and I was very reluctant just to just to say it at first. And so I'm sort of checking other, you know, checking news outlets in Saskatchewan and, and some accounts that, you know, I, I knew would be reliable. And then eventually I thought, okay, something had happened. So I said something that had happened. And, and even then I was very careful to speculate on anything. You know, there'd been a bus bus crash and it appeared to be the humble Broncos bus. And that was really all I was comfortable saying, because again, you, you don't, you just don't know. And I wouldn't want to put anything out there that even in, in speculation for something like that, that, that could be perceived as being what happened. And then obviously even, even through the, the show, I was, you know, on till eight o'clock, it, it appeared that something very terrible had happened. And, um, you know, I had Greg Drinnen hopped on the show with me who wrote the the book on the Swift Current tragedy. And, uh, you know, he'd sort of been hearing the same things, that there were deaths involved. And as my show signed off that night, we, did, we didn't know how many, um, but we, we certainly were hearing it was, it was multiple. And then news broke further into that evening and, uh, you know, over the next day. And, and I, we're still dealing with the fallout and I think we will be for a, a long time. You know, the, the one personal connection I have to that is I've, I've gotten to know Chris Joseph over the years and uh, his son Jackson was one of the, one of the people killed in that crash. And, you know, he's, he's talked about it and he's, uh, you know, he was on with Bob last week and talked about how it impacts the families and how a lot of people are dealing with it in their own way. So, uh, you know, I, look, I, I don't really have a point here. I don't really have uh, a conclusion to put on this other than to just share my very small part of that experience. And it's it's something we all felt uh, and we felt a lot of pain about. And it's this is going to be a, a, a tough day forever, I, I think, for everybody who was uh, alive and is going to be able to remember this this crash. I think it's going to be something that's obviously sad for for a long time, and I, I just think it's important to share our stories about it and how we feel about it. And we remember the humble Broncos tonight and the sixteen that were lost that day. I'll rejoin you tomorrow at one thirty for the Face Off Show. Have a good night, everybody. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.